I have nothing to say to introduce the show today, mainly because I'm still recovering from the full force of Declan Rudd's challenge on Carl Edmonds. Nope, didn't feel it. Still nothing. Nope. This is the Totally Football League show. Huddersfield boss Danny Cowley believes his struggling side lacked good men. It's because they're all here. In honour of the Rudd Edmonds when two become one, or just an excuse to roll in a Spice Girls mention, joining me, Caroline Barker, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I didn't write that line, but that might be the best one, Abby. The original Sporty Spice, check that out in the breakdown. Adrian Clark's here. <laughs> That's me. Hi. Would you have been Sporty? Oh, that was quite a nice hi. Hi. Hi, Adrian. I've got no other things to mention to you, uh, which makes him Scary Spice, Sam Parkin. Good morning. Which we've already discovered because he's already told us that he is the hero that steps in on public transport. So if you need a hero, just look about for Sam and he'll be there. Posh or baby then? Well, it's Posh Spice when he's not here, which must make him baby from William Hill, Joe Crilly. Not Ginger, no? No, no. Do you want to be? Want to be. There we go. Uh, you enjoy that? It wasn't deliberate. Uh, coming up, we have an exclusive chat with Blackpool boss Simon Grayson, but I want to start with the statement to end all statements. Birmingham City have made Pep Clotet official, and this is the club statement on it. He becomes the 29th post-war occupant of the Blues hot seat and the first to take the title of head coach. Do you judge your time period, Sam, on uh, post-war? In which case... <laughs> You're the 57th guest presenter <laughs> of this show. Right decision? Uh, oh, I think the jury's out a bit. Not really? One in five games. But I think it's a, it's a bit of a tricky job, uh, the Birmingham one. We knew they had a bit of a set way of playing under yeah. Gary Monk last year. Got really good success. Did great to stay up. But I think the, the owners want a, a better brand. And it's difficult because we know Birmingham historically, it's, uh, I think, hardworking teams, aggressive teams. It's a bit of a transition this year. It's going to take time to, to implement a new style. He's got some better calibre of players into the lineup this year, but I don't think the results are necessarily there yet. And they lost Che Adams' uh, incredible goal-scoring ability from last season. So I think if they can uh, get someone in to score them more goals, uh, I think this year is about consolidation. Uh, and we shall see. But... I think it's probably been speeded up somewhat by Gary Monk's quotes. Uh, if yeah, I was a betting I man, I think yeah, I think they've just done this because he was taking the mick out of them. Definitely. Really, it was like yeah. So he's forced, he's kind of forced them into it. What I do like about Clotet is the fact that it's pretty much a new team and mm. they're doing okay. They're, they're certainly not doing doing a lot worse than they were before, considering that, that Adams has gone. You look at their team from the weekend, obviously the goalkeeper's come in, he, he's shown a bit of bravery there. Truman did excellently, didn't he? Clark Salter, Crowley, Sundjic, Bellingham, Villal, but that's a whole new midfield up top, Jimenez. There's a lot of new faces there, and they're, they're not doing disastrously. So I get why they've kind of done it, but I'm, I'm completely with Sam here. I think Monk has uh, forced a hand. Had rolled on a, a bit longer than I thought it would do as well. It's embarrassing. I, well, I am a big fan of the try before you bite him. So have a little go with the caretaker <laughs> in. If he's any good, then, then let him stick. Some but, clubs would have appointed, sacked, appointed again and sacked again by now. But that's not the right method, is it? No, but yeah, it was a bit long to be an interim. Yeah, I, well, I think he hadn't changed as well. His, uh, his, he might have done it now and had a look on, on social media how he describes himself. But I, I just think a bit of stability goes a, 
a long way. That does mean as well that we haven't talked about that ridiculous penalty decision that gave West Brom the win this week. Declan Rudd racing out of his goal here. Has he committed the foul? He has! It's a penalty for West Bromwich Albion! A huge twist at the end of Deepdale. I'm not sure Declan Rudd touches his man here. I'm sure that's what the keeper and the Preston players are saying. Did you see any contact? No, no, no. It wasn't pen- It wasn't a penalty. I, I think the goalkeeper was daft, though, for getting that close. He needed to put the brakes on much quicker because it did look like a absolutely clear-cut penalty. It was only on the replay mm. where you saw he just about stopped in time, and it was a sensational dive from Carl Edwards. I thought it was it was remarkable in its skill level, really, how realistic he made it made his full look. So, so look, yeah, I, I felt for them, but. Declan Rudd should have should have put the brakes on much sooner. I don't think I saw it live. I saw Lee Hendry and Jermaine Beckford making a bigger meal of it. I've only seen it from the uh, the first angle. Yeah, well, I, from the first angle, it, it looks like it's a penalty. Uh, yeah, I think West Brom on reflection deserved to win. But what I love from the pen, by the way, was was Charlie Austin doing the little sneaky eyes. Did you see that? Yeah, they they critiqued that as well, yeah, which I, I enjoyed. I, 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 no, but I was an eye, I. Specialist. Hood, I was an eye hoodwinker too. Were you? I was. Yeah, I would always. There's the title for the podcast. I would always, <laughs> I would always uh, just try and deliberately look the way I wasn't going to go. And and most of the time, keepers fell for it. They're, they're not that clever. I did that once, and Michael Jilks uh, essentially threw his cap on my penalty. It was ridiculous. I, n- I never did it again. <laughs> I looked in the completely opposite direction. It was just not buying it at all it is the best thing as a, as a fan of maybe the opposition when you see either the dummy run up or the really slow run up to or the eyes or trying to do everything just just lump it we saw a bit of a throwback from Eze mm. yeah. John Aldridge used to do that amazing stutter when he went to Tranmere end of his career and I always thought it was just you, you couldn't completely stop mm. as long as you had one of your limbs in motion it was fine and that Eze's left leg didn't stop at all it was I thought it was brilliantly taken Ben Hamer was complaining before the ball had even gone past him <laughs> was, I thought he was uh, yeah he was uh, yeah he got ahead of himself there the, the derby keeper but yeah no all for a little bit of uh, gamesmanship from the pen much tougher to do uh, that's a little bit then of what's been around in the championship this week there are plenty more besides you're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill Let's roll on to the fixtures that are coming up. All because a little something's happened on Amazon this week means that the championships are backloaded. Millwall Forest kicks us off on Friday. You're there, Sam, as am I. It'll yeah. be cold, which is the first thing, first part of the conversation we had on what layers we should wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, there'll be lots of layers there. Millwall, I love going to Millwall and I always think there's a, something a little bit extra tasty and I'm backing them in this one. Really looking forward to it. The last time I was there, it was when Adam Barrett was in caretaker charge and Mm. they were great on on that occasion against Leeds. I think there's been definite improvement, not from that performance, but under Gary Rowett so far uh, from what he inherited. I think there's been definite improvement, just the one defeat, which shows you that. I think they're moving the ball quicker. I think they're certainly playing on the deck a a little bit more. Uh, See all those rumours, though, about Jed Wallace, whether he's off... Yeah, in January, and that would stuff them. Wouldn't well, it? well, this is a, a huge part of the success of, of recent times, uh, last few weeks. Uh, I mean, I think the freedom that he's given Jed Wallace, even if he's starting on the right hand side, but he has been 
deployed centrally on occasions. He's a massive plus point for them at the moment. He's in amazing form. And I think Gary Rowett has to take some credit for that, for giving him the licence. Uh, I think defensively, I'm not sure about Mill. Murray Wallace still playing at left back. I think he's a much better centre-half. I think that's something that he will look at potentially. But no, it's a really intriguing looking game. I've not seen them live under Gary Rowett. And Forrest are, you know, magnificent at what they do this season. They're mm. so hard to beat. Uh, the evidence I saw firsthand at QPR last week. No surprises with the way that they're getting results because they're very resilient and they've got Lewis Graben and some other threats in, in the team. Joe, I wonder if you can have a little look at Nottingham Forest because do you see that Lamucci's been or said to have rejected? Said to have rejected. That sounds like it's a line straight out of a newspaper. Said to have rejected Watford and their advances to the keep. Uh, for the past couple of days are saying that and again it's the way it's translated so mm-hmm. so hopefully I'll get the translation right was asked by Watford 20th in Premier League in recent hours and he said that he pushed them back in the spirit of the Watford board Lamucci beyond his experience at the top level has demonstrated at this beginning of the season his ability to achieve consistent results despite a relatively modest workforce so essentially they've been impressed with what he's done mm-hmm. uh, but Lamucci for the moment doesn't want to go off to Watford I don't blame him yeah no Forrester are looking really solid under his tenure, um, he wouldn't mind Gary Rowett lending in one of his strikers, I would imagine, because you think about Forrest, that's the only thing for me that's that, that's hugely missing from their squad is someone to back up Graben. Millwall got loads, haven't they? I mean, Jed Wallace was, mm. has been pushed up recently, Matt Smith there, Bud Varson, Bradshaw. Forrest could do one of those two as a as a backup, really. I, I, and were I think they they'll get at, I think they'll get one in January. Well, they're looking at Dwight Gale as, again, I think they were, but in much the same way that I think Jed Wallace was linked for about 10 million. Mm. Dwight Gale might be too much to come in. Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I think Dwight Gale's been linked with a, a lot of clubs. <laughs> yeah, the agent's doing well. I think there's Rian Brewster as well. He yeah. looks like he's going to be up for grabs okay. in January. I think Leeds are potentially interested in him. So, yeah, there's a number that are, are doing the rounds. Dwight Gale, of course, at this stage of the season, would be a no brainer if you could get him at the right price. Mm. Joe, is Lamucci off the Watford list? Yeah, he's completely out of our next Watford manager betting. Kike Setien is the favourite, a name not too familiar uh, with myself. Mark Hughes at 9-2, third favourite. Sam Allardyce at 5-1. to one. And Chris Hewton, who was the original favourite, is the 6-1, to one, fourth favourite. Yeah, you kind of look at that and think they're coming down, right, to the championship? I'd be surprised if they don't. Mm. So why would you take it if you're already in a, a good championship club? Right, Fulham at Bristol City. Four wins on the bounce now for Sir Scotty Parker. Uh, unfortunately, time was a little short when we were down there the other week for, for Sky on the Friday night. But he has, just from the start of the season, just seen his change in his mannerisms, the way he speaks. He's really grown into that that role yeah. as a manager, I think, Sam. I really agree with you, actually. I, I noticed that um, post-match from Friday at Swansea, I mm. went down from the, the gantry and sat in when he came in and he just looks more at ease with it and he's speaking uh, clearer messages. So, so yeah, completely concur. I think there was pretty much just three things that I took from that, that Swansea game. Rodak was, was excellent. Mm. Um, he chucked one in a little bit uh, for Swansea's consolation. Onoma in midfield didn't work for me and we spoke about it on last week's show that there's an injury crisis in that area. I thought he might go for McDonald. He went for Onoma and that link between the midfield and Mitrovic, although he scored twice, was was lacking for me. Swansea were actually the better team for 45 minutes. So that's one to keep an eye on. Arta could come back in. That could release Kearney to go a little bit higher. And the third thing was the game management of Scott Parker. And 
under the previous regimes, Ranieri, maybe Jukanovic as well, mm. I wouldn't have seen a Fulham manager close a match out like Scott Parker did. And I thought they really controlled the middle of the game, didn't go looking for that extra goal. Went to the 3-5-2 for, or 5-3-2 if you like. Christie one side, Brian the other. Uh, three centre-halves, just had Cavaliero or then it was Knockart around Mitrovic towards the end. And I just thought that was a different Fulham to what I'd seen. So they're winning games in different fashions. And yeah, I think this is a really interesting one against Bristol City. Bristol City normally three at the back away from home. I'd be surprised if they go 4-4-2 like they have been at home, considering that numerical advantage that Fulham would have in midfield. Yes, I saw I saw Bristol City at the Hawthorns uh, last Wednesday and they weren't very good, I'm afraid. Lee Johnson definitely got the team wrong, changed it at half time. He had a 3-5-1-1 with Vyman up front on his own and it it was just it was a terrible choice because he was so isolated. He brought on Jeju at half time and, and just went 4-4-2, which he stuck with at the weekend when they were brilliant uh, in beating Huddersfield. So yeah, he's got a difficult equation, hasn't he? I think you're right. I think go back to a back three here, but definitely play with two up top because I think that, that Bristol City, when they have Vyman and Jeju, they, mm. they, they, have a, they have a bit more about them. Uh, Brownhill and, and Elias are the two eye catches for me. Having seen Elias come on at half-time at the Hawthorns, he's, he's got good pace, he's direct, he's just a really good winger. And uh, yeah, I think that he, he will be a key man. And Brownhill is... He's got good energy. Mm. I, I, he can play anywhere, can't he? Personally, I, I don't like him on the right. I think he's a little bit wasted there. You need a flying right back around him maybe to, to, to provide the width. But uh, but yeah, this is a tough game though for, for Bristol City. I, I think that having looked at the way they defended against against the Baggies, I, I'm struggling to see them hold, hold out here. Adrian said last week about Fulham's defensive deficiencies possibly coming back in to to hurt them and I kind of still agree with that mm. um, having seen them at Swansea the way that Swansea fashioned chances and, mm. and one thing I'd forgotten about was that Michael Hector is already at Fulham training there signed oh. uh, ready to come into the team in January and I just think the way that Ream and Mawson are looking at the moment that could be vitally important if they're going to you know, challenge the top two there's loads of sniffs around actually about who's coming in, particularly with, with Bristol City in, in January. Mark Ashton, their CEO, has been talking a lot this week. Even uh, been linked to Eddie and Kessie, said if he comes yeah. becomes available. And and actually, it's just about getting to that period and seeing which clubs are genuinely serious they about... T- totally need a striker. Absolutely yeah. need one. That's the, that's the one missing ingredient at the moment. Um, Ashley Williams is playing pretty well. I think he at the moment he feels he can afford to play him in a in a back four in a, in a two because he's he, he's got better and better but I just think against Fuller they he might go for that extra extra bit of security but but for sure Jeju needs a partner although, although actually Vimer's movement is great when he's in a partnership mm. and he might cause the aforementioned you know Ream and more some problems in this game but but yeah I see goals in the game but probably more for Fulham we'll get some odds on this one with Joe in just a moment quickly want to rattle through some others Sheffield Wednesday Brentford yeah Sheffield Wednesday wow um, solid aren't they only conceded six in, in nine home games this season so I think this is a really tough tough ask for Brentford who are sort of feast or famine aren't they on the road one, one week they smash you away from home and then and next they go down quite quite meekly obviously they they tonked Luton by seven didn't they interesting stat on Sheffield Wednesday which I can't 
quite believe. I almost feel like I want to check this back. But Wednesday have not beaten anyone currently above 17th place. Let me just double check that. Whilst he double checks that, um, here's a brief family interlude that you can all play at home. This is, of course, the bees taking on the owls in the animal kingdom. Who wins, Joe? Well, I've been pondering this. Uh, it's a no-win situation for the bee, isn't it? Is it? Oh, because they die afterwards, yeah. supposedly. Yeah. They don't always die afterwards. It, I mean, if the owl's allergic to bees, I think it's a lose-lose situation for mm. both of them. But yeah. The, yeah. The only ones that really truly I'd, lose I'd, are us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Mother Nature. Come yes, on, Adrian. Exactly. Come on, Adrian. We found it. Yeah. Oh, go on then. I've got a great stat on Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just laugh. Go on, go on. We'll take it seriously. Carry on. I've got a great stat on Sheffield Wednesday, who I think are doing really well under Gary Monk. They have not beaten anyone above 17th place as it stands. Now, some of the teams they've played have been above 17th at the time they played them. But every single victory is against those from 17th to 24th. So, so maybe they're not quite as good as, 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 their, as their league position suggests based on that. What I like about Monk is that he, he, he simplifies things very well. Yeah. And at the weekend, he, he used two big men, didn't he? I think he saw a weakness in, in Charlton at centre-half. And maybe with that narrow central midfield, the, the diamond, he basically wanted to stretch the pitch. So he, he got some great service to the wingers who supplied between them some just quite tremendous ammunition for, for Fletcher and Nuihu. So, so I, was, I was super impressed by Gary Monk's tactical awareness at the weekend. And it'll be interesting to see if he tries to repeat that against Brentford. I'm super impressed by your ability to restart um, your fantastic stat, thinking that we're not going to leave in the fact that we just had a, a B and L chat, because that's staying in. We, I'm right, aren't I? I'm right. Can I, um, can I tell you something far less sophisticated than what Adrian's just told yep, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it'll be um, better. No, I just heard a great Thomas Frank quote where he referred to his front three as BMW, which I quite enjoyed, <laughs> being in overdrive. Ben Rama, Mbwemo and Ollie Watkins. That actually... I just, think he, I just think he comes across as a really nice yeah. chap. Um, I'm kind of always gunning for Brentford to do well at the mm. moment. And um, that was a fantastic victory against Luton. And I think the biggest strides they've made, believe it or not, is defensively. Mm. I mean, that was always their Achilles heel last season. I think they've got more experience there now. They've got more strength. And defensively, I think they're just second to Leeds in terms of the goals that they've conceded. And going the other way, a variety of goal scorers. We worried if Watkins was going to be able to carry the mantle that um, Mopai did last season and, and probably the season before. But to see De Silva coming of age now, exceptional performance on the weekend but his all-round game and I think that's been a fitness issue mm. for, for De Silva they've been concerned about him not having the stamina and I think when you have that in your legs mm. your finishing um, complements that to, to, to a degree so they've got a lot of talent in the front areas we know that and um, yeah it's a big test for them here because we look at Brentford I think similar way to I look at West Ham in the Premier League can they get consistency and yeah. can they back up a good victory by doing yeah. it on the road yeah the one question mark I'd have over Brentford is that on the road they've come a cropper against sort of solid teams your Blackburns Prestons Forests those those workmen like stubborn solid defensive outfits and, and I kind of see Sheffield Wednesday in a, in a similar light so stylistically I'm not sure this is the favourite match for Thomas Frank Thomas Frank 
it is all about the style. But you're right, he's the kind of guy that, that I think I'd probably like to play under as well. I think he's one of, one of those that's... He's honest. He's yeah. honest and he's pretty kind, which is nice. Which is all you can ask for. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. At the Totally Show for your thoughts, Joe Crilly, Millwall Forest, Fulham, Bristol City and the Owls versus the Bees. And you can take that one anywhere you like. OK, so Millwall Forest on Friday night... You are correct in your assertion that you think Millwall might sneak it. We've got them at six to four, Nottingham Forest two to one, and the draw at twenty-one to ten. Fulham are massively odds on to win against Bristol City on Saturday, four to six. Uh, Bristol City four to one, and the draw three to one. And Sheffield Wednesday versus Brentford. Sheffield Wednesday favourites again, six to four. Brentford two to one, and the draw twenty-three to ten. Thank you, Mr. Crilly. We're off to League One next. Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. League One. And there are headlines. There were no matches, but thanks to the FA Cup results and scheduling, we have the joy of Coventry versus Ipswich three times in ten days, which is what it is. Burton drew 1-1 with Southend on Tuesday night, despite the Brewers being down to 10 for most of that one. There are more rumours about Gareth Ainsworth on the move. QPR apparently are interested. Barry, we've just heard from the High Court, their case has been adjourned again. Two weeks for what the judge describes as processing terms. If you're a Barry fan, on and on and on and on and on. At what point do you just go... Credit the volunteers that are still turning up, though. I did did see an image of of the grass being cut still. It's being kept in good nick. I mean, that takes some spirit, doesn't it, for for those involved to to, Mm. to literally plough on. And you just think, at what what stage do you keep... Well, you've got to keep going to the end of the season, but then surely that hope of getting back in has gone by now, but we'll see. We'll see. Right, Blackpool Fleetwood. Uh, we could talk about the football, which I would love to do, or we could talk about the upcoming Fisherman's Friend exhibition at Fleetwood Museum. No? OK, here is Abby speaking with Blackpool boss Simon Grayson. Simon, let's start with the season so far. You're sat in eighth in the table. Goal difference, the reason you're not quite in the playoff positions. Is that reflective in your mind of how the team have been performing so far? Yeah, I think I'm pleased with where we are. It's obviously a new start for a lot of people at the football club. The owner, myself again, supporters have got their football club back again. Um, and you're never going to go from where it was literally six months ago, five months ago, to really the um, to being back where you think you can, you want to get to. Uh, and it doesn't happen overnight. So I think it's work in progress, both on the pitch and off the pitch. And ultimately, we've had a decent start to the season, give ourselves a platform and and hopefully we can continue with the success both on and off it and, and try and take us to another step further on the second half of the season. But uh, so far, it's been a lot of positive signs uh, with a new group of players and a new um, sense of anticipation, optimism about the football club again. So um, I'm pleased. Do I think we can do better? Do I think? Do I hope we can do better? Well, hopefully that's the case, yes. I've got to ask you about your star player of the season uh, so far. That's uh, Armand Nangile. How is his fitness doing? Is he going to face uh, Fleetwood at the w- weekend? 
Uh, he's making good progress. Uh, I'm obviously not going to give too much away before <laughs> the weekend. But, um, yes, if he's in any doubt, then he doesn't play because we've got too many uh, big games coming up with Sunderland the following week and then the mm. Christmas period. So I don't need to ag- aggravate or anything like that. But uh, if he's fit and available, then he'd certainly be uh, a big boost to have him available again because he's been... Uh, a key player, as you said, he's been getting on the end of crosses from Liam Feeney and other players, and uh, and you need your goal scorers and your strikers to be fit and firing on all cylinders. Yeah, absolutely. He's got uh, ten goals so far for the season in the league. Um, how far do you think that he can actually go? Do you think he's a championship player? Um, where where do you see his career trajectory? Well, who knows? I think it's a lot down to the individual. I think Armand will be first to to admit that there's been games this season where he's not played anywhere near his capabilities. And then there's other games where he's been absolutely outstanding. Um, we've tried to work with him a lot on simplifying his game uh, in terms of getting hold of it, getting it out to the wider areas and then getting into the box where we can get the opportunity to score the goals. And obviously at six foot four, he's, he's got good good height advantage over a lot of defenders. But as well, he's got uh, good technique with his, with his with finishing in around the 18-yard box. So... Who knows? We want to keep our best players. We want him to, if he wants to go to the championship. Hopefully, that's going to be with us. But we'll just keep working and striving with him and other players to try and achieve our goal eventually. You mentioned you got some new players, and I wanted to ask about a particularly new player, particularly young player, Tony Weston, sixteen-year-old. Fans seem to really like him. He's made his debut now for the club. But for for those who don't know, what's so special about this kid? Well, he's just got absolute enthusiasm in abundance and, and so you should at 16 you're not, you haven't got the world on your shoulders worrying about um, any what's going to go wrong and your home life and paying the bills and stuff like that he's still at school doing his doing his, um, his work there um, I watched him a few weeks ago in the reserves and I've not stopped talking about him to, to my staff or the people because he just gives me such a lift every time I see him with the enthusiasm that he's got he's got good movement as a young kid um, and he and he's he's just a he's a throwback to lads that were just running around in the park when you're maybe a lot younger than him when you when you're just playing football for a, a reason not for to try and make money or anything anything else like that. So look, he's still got a long way to go. He's still developing as a as a person, but also physically as well. But you can never take away his debut that we give him on on Sunday in the FA Cup. So. Uh, yeah, we're pleased with him. Obviously, got to be careful with what we do with him because he's not the the biggest as ready physically yet. But um, is is a character to the point of when he went down to the, with the team the other week, um, the lads were asking him to sing, and I was telling the lads you can't do this to a to a schoolboy, <laughs> and he said to me, Gaffer, I want to get up and sing, and he did. <laughs> do you know so what he sang? Well, he sung something very badly. I think it was an Ed Sheeran song, uh, and it wasn't very good. <laughs> Finally, let's uh, let's get back onto the pitch because this weekend you're up against Fleetwood. Um, it's a derby in terms of location, but by my reckoning, the two sides have only met about uh, eight times competitively. Do you see this as a rivalry or as a match-up that's just simmering at the moment? I think if you were to ask any Blackpool supporters, I think the big rivalry match is, is against Preston because of the number of years that the two clubs have been playing against each other and, and been formed. But full credit to, to Fleetwood and Andy Pulidion, who's... They've come a long way from non-league football to to the playoffs situation of, of League One at this moment in time. So um, it will it will be a competitive game. It'll be it'll have an edge to it. The bragging rights will certainly be there. Um, as I said, it might not be the the level of um, of a Preston Blackpool game, but what it will be, it will be feisty. It'll got, there'll be plenty of tackles flying in. 
coupled with the fact that we're both very close to each other in the league, it's got the ingredients of being uh, a decent game on. Simon talking then about everyone getting excited about Tony Weston. It's not just the fans, a uh, lot sniffing around him. And then ahead of this Fleetwood game, so it's not really uh, that much of a big deal for the fans. That, that derby is still is Preston. Um, Preston and Weston, been impressed by, by both, Sam. By Blackpool? Yeah. I think the last time we, we spoke Blackpool, they were coming under a little bit of increasing... Well, the, the Simon Grayson was getting a little bit of stick. I think it was just prior to the Rotherham game, actually. So, yeah, I think they've, they've, they've turned a, a little bit of a corner. I think Nangele, in terms of the division, maybe even the whole EFL, his importance to that mm. team just cannot be overlooked. It was, um, a, it was a bit coy there on whether he's coming back or not this week. Yeah, they've nursed him this week because he's had a, a thigh injury, probably trying to get him ready for the derby. But 10 of the 26 goals they've scored are, are his. Only Ian Henderson's got a higher percentage in, in the league. And I really do think everything pretty much revolves around him. Yeah. Uh, at the weekend in the Cup against Maidstone, I believe it was, they got... Three quick goals in the second half, a really abysmal first half after a change of system. But Simon Grayson was quick to just say it was about the mental approach and the way the guys went about things in the in the second half. And the other most noticeable thing that I've noticed this season is Curtis Tilt was such a consistent performer for them. Can't get in the side now, even when they're deploying the, the back three. His head maybe been turned by the talk of a potential move that's been ongoing for probably a number of seasons now. Mm. So. Yeah, it's it's not all rosy, but the, the, the recent results have been a lot better in the league and in the Cup. So I expect this to be probably goals in this game. I don't think there's going to be a great deal of football. And the reason I say that is because the pitch is particularly bad up there. Always was when I, I was playing. Obviously, it's probably uh, due to the conditions by the seaside. But I would imagine both teams getting going back to front quite quickly. Mm. I think it's going to be a battle between two sets of uh, great right, right wingers actually the, the the supply line from both uh, right wings has been amazing Feeney for, for Blackpool has provided a, a load of assists and Fleetwood according to my uh, my spreadsheet have scored 12 goals from right wing crosses in League One this season, which is just ridiculous. So really. if you're seeing that, then they've got a, they've got a, they'll be seeing that too. Well, of course, yeah. So the, the, the left back and the, the left back and the left winger will have to keep, you know, work very hard to contain Louis Coyle and Wes Burns, who have got nine assists between them down that side. I, a lot of people obviously dislike Joey Barton, but I do, I do have admiration for his, for him as a manager so far. I think that. He's he's got a very clear identity. It's four three three. It's it's used those wings. He's got the choice of the front two. It's either Evans or Madden. He's not trying to overcomplicate it and crowbar them both into the team because they're both big names at this level. He's got a way of playing and 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 it seems to work for them. The one uh, downer ahead of this game is that Jordan Rossiter, the sort of ball winner in in central midfield for them, he's on loan mm. from Rangers. He, he's injured. He's got a long term knee injury and he's been massive for them. So, who who fills in for him? That, getting, that 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 might be a problem. They're getting a lot of goals from Josh Morris as well, which he's is a good player. Yeah, yeah. he's a good finisher, isn't he? On the left hand side, Morris on the left scores goals. Burns on the right makes them. They've got two predators. I mean, it's quite a lot to like about Fleetwood. Sam. He had that amazing season, didn't he, Morris at mm. Scunthorpe? I think, and then his form really suffered after that, and he's had a bit of a 
Lisa Life uh, at Fleetwood. He's mm. very, very capable. Set pieces, um, delivery, mm. can score from, from distance. Mm. Always liked him. I think they've probably got... Would I say they've got more ways to hurt you, Fleetwood? Probably, but that said, Delfonso's, I think, reached a level of consistency this year, which we probably all anticipated given what a great start to his professional career he had. Mm. And he's really found a home. He's a very likeable lad, actually. Came on loan to Swindon and I watched him and he was really unlucky. He makes great runs, knows the game, intelligent footballer, and he's starting to get more end product this season. Shall we go to the Battle of the Peas? And, and this is two sides last time out. We were saying, oh, who's going to win it? Where's it going to go? Portsmouth and Peterborough. We did. We did spend ages talking about them last season. Peterborough third at the moment. Portsmouth down in 10th in the league. And Portsmouth second in the form table, though. Oxford top of that. Yeah, they've had a, a brilliant run. Portsmouth at six uh, wins on the spin. All competitions. They won again last night in the Football League trophy. Uh, I'm going to choose my words carefully because I've got a little bit of stick from the Pompey support and they're a lot harder than me um, a couple of weeks ago I I think there's quite a lot going on at at the moment in terms of tactically and and personnel what I will say is the Rotherham victory last time out in the league was a lot more convincing uh, in front of the home supporters Uh, I thought the shackles were off it looked like the supporters were completely on board with that performance in terms of the, the team um, Brandon Hanstrup has made his the position his own at right back. He's a left back by by trade. Anton Walks is playing in central midfield at the moment, which has been a big problem area, I believe, for probably over a year now there. I don't know if he's necessarily the answer because his ball retention isn't particularly good. Naylor is the player that's injured at the moment that maybe will come back in and fill that void and, and do a better job. And basically the only real decision at the moment is it's whether it's Williams or Harness on one side Ronan Curtis in fantastic form and that is I think everything that is good about Pompey when they are on it the the two wide boys in regard to this game against Peterborough I think they're best off doing what they do best and and remaining in a similar kind of shape rather than trying to match them up and do something particular to stop Madison big test of the central defenders Ollie Hawkins is now a centre-half. I, know, I, I don't that. think he's fully convincing the Portsmouth supporters, but this is the biggest test of the season up against a quick one in Issa and Tony, who for me, pound for pound, is he the best player at that level at the moment? He's got to be very close. So that's a really interesting one to look at this weekend. Mm, yeah, I think Sam touched on something tactically there that, that was really interesting about the wide players for Portsmouth being the strength. Mm. What's the weakness of Peterborough? In my view, it is probably in those those full-back positions. So I look at the centre-halves, they're pretty solid. You've got four bodies quite narrow in central midfield and and, and, and then you've got the, the guys up top who are who have been brilliant. So I think there's a, there's a slight fallibility down the wing. So Portsmouth need to play play with width in this game. Um, Tony is the best player, I think, in, in League One. I, I just think he's brilliant. Just to see the goal he scored in the FA Cup. Oh, here comes Tony on the volley! Yeah, I, I put the brakes on there because I called Ben White the best player in the championship <laughs> last season. I'm just going all in at the moment. I reckon he might be, but yeah, Peterborough are a good team. I think that the front three kind of bail them out. They're brilliant. Mm. 
doesn't mask the rest of the team, but I think that they're a kind of a seven out of ten team with a with a nine and a half out of ten forward line, if you know what I mean. So, so yeah, they, they've got to keep those guys firing. Earlier on, I came out with a, a fantastic stat. I know you had to wait for it. I preferred the stuff on Thomas Frank. <laughs> <laughs> um, a similar stat on 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 Posh, actually. They're third. Yeah. Not beating anyone in the top ten. There you go. I love that one for free. Uh, But not as much as I love 538, which is a particular wormhole. I don't know if you can get down, which is uh, predictions they do based on everything that's gone in everyone they go. And they've got Ipswich winning League One. Uh, Peterborough to finish fourth and Portsmouth down in eighth. That's where Mm. they think they'll they'll finish up the League One season. Mm. Southend going down. (laughs) Bolton being above Southend. But going down, Joe Grilly. Yeah. Uh, Blackpool Fleetwood Joe and Portsmouth against the Posh. The, the Northwest Derby between Blackpool and Fleetwood. Uh, we've got Blackpool as slight favourites at eleven to eight. Fleetwood fifteen to eight with the draw twelve to five. And yeah, we're going over short term form over long season form. Portsmouth even money favourites to win this one. Uh, Peterborough twelve to five and the draw twenty seven to ten. Thank you, Joe. At the Totally Show for anything you want to say. League Two's up next. This is the Totally Football League Show with Caroline Barker. Into League Two and the only match at the weekend, Macclesfield-Bradford drawing 1-1. Crawley and manager Schioffi have gone. In, though, comes Rubio, Eddie Rubio. If you get a chance to have a look at his Twitter, well worth a read. And plenty on there, including big shout-out to our new chef at Horsham FC's training ground. Heinz meals are not just varied and tasty, but the perfect nutrition for athletes. Thanks, Heinz, and others that I'll get to. And I'll just throw in any moment you like. Um, is he one to stay with? Do we know much about him? Came from uh, Milton Keynes. No, I don't know a great deal about Good. him. Um, Move I, on. I feel, no, but I feel, I always feel, well, not always, but I often feel if, if a manager got his own team, then they get left behind. It, it's a recipe for disaster in terms of marrying the, the newcomer to come in. So. So now I think there are a lot of good candidates out there, aren't there? Um, I, I think that's probably right that they made the change. The fans were really on his back, questioning the team and the tactics. They were saying there was no real real plan B. So, yeah, look, maybe this is one for Kev Nolan, Paul Tisdale. Oh, we haven't pulled the Kev Nolan. <laughs> yeah, Kev Nolan, we've pulled it out. What about Harry Kiel coming back? Could that happen? Well, funny you should say that. The West Sussex County Times headline reads, Pochettino, Harry Kiel, <laughs> Paul Tisdale, or Edu Rubio? Crawley Town fans speculate about the next boss. Do we have odds on Pochettino to Crawley, Joe? <laughs> Joking. <laughs> Wally Downs. Uh, Wally Downs. <laughs> uh, that's a noise that I'll just leave there. Where would you go if you were Crawley? Crawley? I'd probably go into the National League and, and look at some of the guys that are doing doing really good jobs who, who are the ones punching above their average I've, I've said it before on this show Neil Smith at Bromley I yeah. rate him he's going to get his mate a job uh, soon yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I, I rate him it's I, a job I, I think it's going to be hard for him to take Bromley up uh, even though they're doing brilliantly so so if I was him and they offered it offered at me and it's kind of local then it would be on my radar Tim Flowers is another one that continues to surprise in a way obviously you don't see many former goalkeepers flying Nuno in the Premier League is, a, is an exception but yeah Tim Flowers at Solihull so that because even though they are an EFL club mm. I think size wise I always sort of feel like Crawley are a National League club that, that needs someone that's sort of I, d- I just think that's a better fit 
personally rather than bringing in someone from you know from from overseas for example and it hasn't worked previously not that well right fixture wise exeter northampton northampton doing well they're top of the aforementioned Forden table that we've mentioned every league so mm. far exeter 16th at the moment so northampton all the way right yeah got five wins in six absolutely flying first thing that jumps out to me is the experience they've got across the middle mm. and in the in the forward areas uh, actually quite a youthful back three but they are being supported by Alan McCormick McCormack who made his 500th appearance I believe at, at the weekend very attacking at home so that's something to keep uh, an eye out for the wing backs Hoskins and Adams they're not really got defensive bones in their body so that's something maybe that he'll have to change but a really good spread of goals Northampton so far this season no one really standing out six or four uh, six sorry players with four or more goals so it just shows you that uh, they've got different threats and something that I noticed on the way in today don't ask me how I was f- f- uh, looking at this or how I found it they've lost twice in 25 games against Exeter Ooh. Northampton and it goes back to I think it was 1984, which seems like an incredible record. Do you write statements for Birmingham City in the announcement of their new manager? <laughs> I just thought that Northampton had a good record against Exeter. You know, sometimes something in the back of your mind thinks, I've seen Northampton win there before. Yeah. They've won four of the last six and drawn two. It's a post-Falklands war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Um, as I was staring at this uh, really boring list of results, I played in the last Exeter victory, actually, over oh, Northampton. It's an elaborate way. The personal. He goes through every game. It's the last one I play. And it was probably my last ever good game. And it's tinged with a little bit of sadness because on the Monday morning, I got the train into Exeter from London. We used to start a little bit later for us travellers. Paul Tisdale congratulated me on the game on Saturday. You did really, really well. Loved your energy, blah, blah, blah. Led from the front. Went out to train. Pulled my hamstring. Never really played well again. <laughs> so that was it. That was the end. It finished for me at six. Did you a moment, moments, well, moment of silence? Because you laughed at the end. And I we, can laugh, we, we it's fine. We were doing nervous laughter then. Yeah. <laughs> totally not. Yeah, I, I did feel your pain. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I didn't, but I did. <laughs> no, I just, just never really recovered from, from, from that injury, and that's... Uh, when you're getting old, I'm afraid, and you've never been quick, when you start pulling muscles, mm. I think that's uh, time to go. Was it time for us to move on or <laughs> anything you want to say about that? Well, I wouldn't write off Exeter. But uh, do you have a stat? Two in 25. Yeah. Two in 25. <laughs> two in 25 is strong. But in seven home games against teams in the top 15 this season, Exeter have conceded one goal. When is they the, love it at I, home when, to the big boys. When is the stat null and void? I mean, not, not I, in this example. I'm not saying that's not a valuable mm. and viable stat. I'm not saying that. Thank but I, No, I'm not saying that. But I just wanted... Uh, mine's completely void, but I thought it was quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite, uh, quite a good record. I think, I think there's, a, there's, there's a time and a place for most stats. You can, you can twist them. But look, my, my, now my take on Exeter is this. Mm. Against the so-called easier teams, the teams that they're really favoured to beat they get, get a bit sloppy it happened at the weekend against Hartlepool but in the matches that kind of matter especially at home there seems to be more of a focus for Exeter we saw it in the derby when they absolutely obliterated Plymouth four goals to nil but to concede set, just one goal in seven home games against teams in the top half or top 15 I think tells you that that, that they're very well organised by Matt Taylor and, and, and I also think that they're well equipped to handle Northampton's aerial onslaught 
uh, because that's what they're very good at. I mean, mm. from corners and free kicks, they're superb, Northampton. I think Exeter are good at defending those, so I, I give them a chance. I liked um, Paul Tisdale's kind of critique of Keith Curl when he was on the Quest show a few weeks ago, and he just said, Keith's got great clarity with his teams. <laughs> uh, I read that as he shells the ball into the box and they all know exactly <laughs> what they're doing a, a little bit but they're, they're good at what they do and they got yeah. three headers against Notts County on yeah. Sunday so that's where Exeter are going to be tested yeah it's yeah. effective don't knock it right uh, Cambridge Plymouth When uh, the reason for saying about the stats is Northampton top of the form table right but if you made the form table eight games long why wouldn't you then Plymouth would be top yeah exactly and uh, yeah it, it, yeah, you can you can twist it, can't you? But over over eight to ten games, it's probably probably more more relevant. Uh, Plymouth are good, aren't they? I mean, great front runners. I think where if they score first at, at Cambridge, lump on them um, because they they've won all eight games where they've scored first. Um, not so good chasing the game, Plymouth. Yeah, I like them. Three one four two is kind of their their system, and I love the four in behind. The two, you've got McFadden, Mayer, Sarsovic and Edwards, all, all four are having pretty good seasons. What they're lacking is the the prolific goal scorer up front. If they had one, mm. if they had a Nicky Maynard that Ryan Lowe had had last season at Berry. Well, if they had Sam Park in pre-hamstring injury, <laughs> Definitely. Then, then they'd be fine, wouldn't they? Like so. David Brent, that, wasn't it? <laughs> 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 so yeah, look, yeah, good game, interesting game. And uh, Cambridge Cambridge plays some, some okay football, so I think it'd be, it'd be nice to watch as well. It sounds like this is maybe Cambridge at a bit of a crossroads. Colin Calderwood spoke in the, the wake of a disgusting game I think he called it an apology for a game Uh, the nil-nil at Carlisle about the team being more aggressive and him being sterner with them so I think they've played reasonably good football as Adrian said this season they've normally played uh, like a 5-3-2 a three at the back so that's interesting in itself considering they're coming up against Plymouth so does he go a little bit more straightforward two wide players he went to a 4-4-2 in the game at Carlisle so that's a really interesting thing ahead of this game it's pretty desperate there at the moment Mm. I've seen this morning that there's potential plans for a new stadium or there are plans for a new stadium which Max Rushton is not happy about because it's going to be out of the city um, and he's going to say it's going to be soulless so that's maybe a positive for some of the supporters to look forward to but but on the pitch won two out of the last 15 in all competitions not had a shot on target in the last two games and yes I think a crossroads maybe in the terms of the, the tactics and also we've seen a lot of managers lose their jobs at the bottom of League Two. And I'm not saying that Colin Calderwin's going to lose his job. He seems to have the backing. But I think supporters, are, more now than ever, are wanting to know what the ambition is because only yeah. one club's going down. And I think it's giving chairman and owners the opportunity to look ahead to next season. Realistically, if we look now, they are seven, they're 10 points away from Morecambe, Cambridge. So what is the ambition? They're not going to get in the playoffs for, for my money, but... Are they showing enough progress on the pitch to challenge next year for what surely has got to be the ambition is to get into the playoffs? So I think they're doing all right. I mean, it's a small club, Cambridge United. It's mm. my local club. Where I grew up sort of 20 miles down the road. What, are you Ipswich, and, Arsenal? Uh, well, Ipswich was in up. my county. Cambridge was geographically closer, although I never, ever played there, which was weird. I think they're doing excellently. Mm. I mean, I know I understand that the form isn't isn't brilliant, but... 
They had a lot of injuries. Thirteenth, yeah, to so, big players as well, which Smith, I know everyone does. But yeah, it's been a factor. Yeah, I, I think they're doing okay. And if they look, if they finish the season exactly where they are at the moment, mid bang in the middle of the table, that I think is success. And, and Calderwood has, has done his job. Right, nearly done. We'll get the odds from you, Joe. You mentioned Carlisle United again, just going to be key over January period, and who? Because you see, Jared Branthwaite's been linked to uh, Celtic and Rangers as well. You know, they're young, sixteen-year-old, yeah, they captain and. Whether he goes as well, what what damage does that do to them? So who hangs on to whoever? And that's where you come into the value bit. Like Cambridge United, if you look at some of their better players, who they're going to hang on to for next season, where do they keep building? So again, post-January, that's where it starts to get tasty again. Joe, Exeter, Northampton and Cambridge United, Plymouth. Two in 25, two in 25. Well, yeah, the... the All the fours. Uh, the, <laughs> you ever the, tried the that? Odds. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, the odds completely go against the, the form. Uh, Cambridge are favourites to beat Plymouth 6-4 to four, with Plymouth 7-4 to four, mm. and Exeter are even money to beat Northampton. Northampton are 13-5. to five. So I've just quickly worked out the double uh, and you can get nearly 9-1 to one for the two away sides to, to get the win this weekend. You doing it? No. <laughs> <laughs> two in 25. Rubbish. It's not happening. It's not happening. Oh, that's it. Thank you, everyone. Who's come to the Christmas party? I'm in. See you there. Well, I'm currently in if I pass fitness test, as you can hear by oh, my voice. I'm, um, I'm, I'm a little bit under the weather, but yeah, yeah I'll be The old tacti- like tactical thrown one in 24 hours before just to soften the blow when he doesn't show. <laughs> out of the, uh, proportionally out of the last... That's outrageous. I live for these nights out. <laughs> you do, mate, you do. What's that stat about the last 25 Christmas parties? Uh, you'd been there if it hadn't been for that pesky hamstring. I will see you at the party and then I'll see you at the den. Um, that Next was directed. drunkenness. There you go. Towards <laughs> him. Uh, Mr. Clark, see you at the party. You'll be there. Joe, see you next Wednesday. I'll be hot footing it over from the William Hill Sports Book of the Year for the party tomorrow. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's going to be lagging, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe we'll have a, a Christmas social on social at the Totally Show. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.